When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone great. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Yeah, Hannibal. Hannibal. Oh, Mr. Dot Commer on WEEI.com. Podcast uh, recapping the Patriots' 19 to 17 loss to the Buccaneers on Sunday night, and what was I deemed an instant classic? That was a, a very maybe didn't live up to the like excitement level on the field in terms of like touchdowns with Brady, like. Mac Jones play, but I thought it was a great, compelling game from start to finish. It was very competitive, very, um, I guess, compelling is the word. I did actually, when I saw your headline, Instant Classic, and I was, it made me stop and pause for a minute because I don't think it was a, I don't know, when you think Instant Classic, I feel like you you think more aesthetically pleasing or like big plays or like high scoring or. I would agree. I mean, it was like. 10 seconds to write the headline and I wanted to get like, okay, so. you don't have to get defensive. I was just like, I was thinking to myself, was it an instant classic? And is, I, I had a loose definition of instant classic. Okay. Cause yeah, I'm not sure I would put it in the, cause in the end, I don't like in five years, how are you going to remember the game? I don't know. Probably that, just like Brady's return, not like how the game went. Right. Brady's return. Mac Jones played well. Patriots had a chance to win, but they didn't kind of yeah. thing um but no it it was an int- interesting night certainly from sort of start to finish and I mean I think we can talk about it on a few levels but just pulling back from afar I think Tom Brady had a um sort of altered view of his Patriots career and Patriot ending that changed between say 6 30 7 o'clock on on sunday and midnight on sunday like i think that five hour span changed because he said a lot of really interesting things that we can get into um but for me this is a patriots reactionary you know jerk reactions <laughs> podcast mac jones was the better quarterback on the field yes. mac jones continues to Meet every challenge head on, meet every whatever you want to call it, going all the way back to Cam Newton, the spring OTAs here. Like, I don't know how you could be disappointed. And I think the players articulated um, it like he's no longer, as McCordy said, like the rookie quarterback or he's just the quarterback who we expect to go out there. And, you know, I half jokingly said to Steve Buckley, who was sitting next to me, very, very, very close to me, touching me while sneezing all night long, I didn't care for, claims it's quote-unquote allergies. But um, I said to Steve Buckley when the Bucks hit their field goal with whatever, two minutes to play, 157 to play, I said, I think you left too much time for Mac Jones on the clock. And whether you did or didn't, we'll get into the details of that. But that, that's what he is now. Like, I don't it's not like you fear him taking the field or think he can't do the job. 
he more than did. He didn't have a running game, literally, not not figuratively. Didn't have a running game. They had zero yards rushing when you remove his kneel downs. Right? You take you take his kneel down out, and they go from minus one yards rushing to zero yards rushing. Um, and he just spread them out. They did the tempo, you know, no huddle to start the game. Patriots offense, Josh McDaniels sprinkled in his trick plays where he needed them. But we keep saying it in different ways every week. Patriots have their quarterback. Mac Jones is their quarterback. Yeah, I think I said, I think in the third quarter, I tweeted to this point, Mac Jones is outplaying Tom Brady. And I still stand by it despite the result. I think he outplayed Tom. I'm not saying that he's better than Tom Brady, the next Tom Brady, but for that given night, he outperformed Tom Brady. And I think I go back to that week one. Remember that after week one, there was a question about like, can you put aside the team result and look at your own personal play and be happy? And Mac was kind of like dodging the question. Like, I think, I think Mac's probably pissed that he's one and three as a starter because the way that he's played is probably is deserving of being three and one. Is that unfair to say? The way that he has played. Yeah. I don't know that the team. Right. Has, but him yeah. personally. Like I, to me, I think he's exceeded expectations through four games. Well, it's funny because one of the storylines, there are a few different storylines I want to talk about narratives from the past. First was everybody. And I mean, what, 90%, 95% of everybody in the summer media and fans alike. Oh, you can't put Mac Jones in week four against Tom Brady. You you can't do it. Well, why the F not? Because Mac Jones just showed to you that he can go toe to toe with Brady. He can do his His, career is not over after last night. No. If anything, it's Give like more confidence. I went head to head with the greatest quarterback of all time. And, and I, dealt, one. I dealt with a week of, you know, storylines and noise. And I ignored it. The team ignored it. We showed up to play and we could have, should have, might have won. Uh, and the other one is, you know, he's put in such a good position with the coaching and the team around him ready to win games. But I guess like yeah, he's got Josh. He has a good offensive coordinator. But the, you're right. The, the offense, like who would have ever thought this offensive line would be this bad? That's what I was just going to say. I now firmly believe Mac Jones will not start 17 games this year. He's getting the absolute snot kicked out of him. Like, yeah, what was it, 12 hits last night? Yeah, and and not like – Not like, like push down, like shots. No, not hits on paper. Hits that I think he felt a lot of them. And, I mean, I guess, again, who maybe when Trent Brown comes back, everything will be fixed, but – I still don't know how one guy playing right tackle fixes the other four spots across the board and the, the blitz pickup from the running backs and the various things that are issues. So I, I think there's like, yeah, he, he, he's in a good spot coaching wise, but I don't know that everybody else. And I think the veterans McCordy, David Andrews post game talked about, we need to help him. He's doing his more than his part. He's showing guts. He's making throws. He's running the offense. He's showing, proving his medal, whatever everybody else needs to start doing a little bit more to help this team get in the win column, because that's, you know, that was my column I wrote on the website last night is just, I don't know that there's anything you can criticize about Mac Jones really for the first four games of his career, other than he's one and three, like, and you could argue that at least two of the losses weren't really his fault. Right. Like, but the only, a true franchise quarterback wins. Correct. That's all what we talked about after week one. These rookie, just the stats probably back it up. Rookie quarterbacks in close one possession games more often than not lose. Like that's just just the way that it is. And like this will help them down the road. And it's kind of like 
how everybody, you know, we talked about it after the first week, throwing out, you know, 12 wins. Like, it's just so hard for a rookie quarterback to do that. And he'll get there. Like you said, I think the Patriots can walk away knowing that they really do have their franchise quarterback. Yeah, I, I did a radio hit this morning in Maine, and they asked me if, I, you know, it's the question we've sort of been asking every week, like, did, did this game change how you feel about the team over the course of the season? And I picked the Patriots to win nine games, go nine and eight. Mm-hmm. I think I feel a little bit better about the team because how Mac Jones is playing, because you're going to get Stefan Gilmore back. The defense could be a little bit better, but you're also chasing like you're one in three. So I can feel better about you, but you still need to win two games just to get to 500 and your schedule's not easy. Now this week should be a win. Houston is easy or should be easy. Um, So I, if you're a believer in Mac Jones is the 2021 Patriots, the 2021 Patriots are Mac Jones. I don't know how you can be disappointed at all. Other than his press game, press conferences are getting a little boring and repetitive and wordy and say nothing, but I don't think that really matters. So are you taking like, are you walking away with a moral victory? Like, I don't want to use that term, but like kind of like what you just said, you feel better about the team. And like, I guess my point is they can, they can use what happened Sunday night as a stepping stone to, to building something and like actually learning a lot from a loss and turning that into a positive for the next couple months. Yes. And I, I'm not just Mac Jones. How about the flip side, the defensive side of the ball where no you know, the best game of the year. And you, you, you went out there with what I termed one and a half cornerbacks. First of all, I think I owe an apology to Jalen Mills. I thought he sucked in the summer. And he has not sucked to start the, he hasn't been this um, bullseye target on his back. Can't play cornerback. And played every snap last night, 78. So like, and, and you're, as I said, you're going to get Stefan Gilmore back. He's, I don't know whether I saw it on Instagram or tweeting. He seems like he's sort of itching to go. Doesn't seem like a guy that is, is considering like. Uh, Not a big deal. Do you think he kind of like wished he was out there last night? I think the competitor wishes he was out there. Yeah. I think the businessman. The businessman, I'll take my money. But, but when you have one of these, whatever we're calling this, hold out, hold in, PUP, whatever negotiation, I think there's always the possibility it goes down some other, like he's still unhappy and he, maybe he comes back but still has a hamstring injury. Right. No, he seems like a guy that's ready to join his team and join the competition. Mm. Um so I, I think there's reasons to believe Matthew Judon continues to be the prize of the free agent class. Um, his energy, his impact, his plays, your sack, uh, which kept them from a drive, forced them, um, took them out of a drive, that eight yard sack, but he also yeah. had a QB Like hit. last night, I thought for the first time this year, he his impact showed up in stat sheet, seven tackles, one sack. Yeah. Like in, in the previous weeks, it's been like, he's been in the back with, with a lot of pressures, but not tackles and sacks to back it up. This was the week to, to really, to put it all out there. Right. He, he drew, if you want to call it illegal hands to the face. I haven't watched the tape. I know fans were complaining that he was basically being held on every play. I thought um, they were going to suck for both teams for being honest. Uh, they did suck. They 100% did suck. I went to a high school game on Friday night and watched crappy officiating where they didn't know what they were doing. I felt like the exact same thing on Sunday night, that they, it was crappy officiating and they didn't really know what they were doing at times. Um, but Judon is, is a, I think, another positive. You know, we can get into some negatives maybe later in the free agent class or whatever, but um, 
he he and he even I even liked how he was clearly I don't we'd have to see mic'd up later or something. He was clearly kind of chirping Tom Brady. Oh, no. Yeah, he said during the week though that he he's talked trash talked Brady before, trash talked right. everybody. He was one of the guys that sort of set the tone for the defense. I thought during the week he's just the next quarterback that we're facing. I'm not afraid of him. We're not afraid of him. And I thought yep. that that kind of set the he was spoke for the entire unit. And I think that's good to have a guy that is a talented and, and good, but also an outsider isn't, you know, Oh, we're the Patriots. So we've done this for the last X number of years. And I'm not saying like McCourty's a bad leader and he's going to fall back on Cause he's actually talked about not falling back on just being the Patriots and Oh, we'll play better later in the year. Cause that's what we, I think it's good to have a leader and an energetic veteran who's brings a different viewpoint, energy, whatever it is to the table. And Judon, Judon certainly is doing that. Uh, do you want to get into Brady, just the that stuff? Yeah. So, well, before we get into Brady, this is ties into Brady. Um, again, I believe this is two weeks in a row. High praise for the Gillette Stadium crowd. I thought the Gillette Stadium crowd was perfect. I thought that was one of the best um, in years. Like, regular season, like, they're – the entire stadium was standing up from start to finish. And it wasn't just the, the lower bowl. It was the 300 level too. Right. And I thought they handled Brady perfectly, mm-hmm. cheered him when he came out, little Brady chant, then actually cheered Mac Jones. I thought a little bit louder at the very same time when they came out for warmups um, and then booed him a little bit when he took the field first time sure. offensively, not, I mean, I saw, who was I listening? Somebody like kind of, was mocking it. I was like, no, that's perfect. And even Brady, I think you could feel what it was. Yes. Booing because, okay, we gave you your credit, your honor, whatever. Now it's time to play ball and you have the wrong color uniform on you're on the other team. Um, So I I thought they were really good. And uh, last week against the saints, when the game was over, they still were engaged. Mm -hmm. They didn't just leave beat traffic, quiet, sit on their butts. And again, this week, through the end of the game, loud, engaged. And I know it was a tighter game this week, but um, for a crowd that gets a lot of criticism over the years, I think they've done a really good job early this year. You know, they've lost five straight games with fans at Gillette Stadium, not including the preseason game from this year. Well, I knew they were 0-3 this year, and then the, they go back the to tight, the end. The Titans lost, and then the Bills lost in the, the year. Yeah, interesting. So, so the Home fans are delivering, the team's not delivering for them. So I feel like Ryan Hannibal will be blogging home field disadvantage or something. <laughs> uh, back to your point with Brady early. Like, I think he – and that's why I thought that the game was going to be closer than a lot of people thought. He said all week, I know what it's going to be like. I know what I'm going to feel. No, you didn't. Right. Or you lied. Because I, I think, like, he was emotional in that press conference after the game, I thought. Like, not, yeah. like, breaking down crying in tears. But, like, I think it hit him harder than I think he envisioned it. And he had a different perspective. Like you said, his, his sort of feelings change between 630 and midnight. Well, I told you coming in, I was, there was a lot of talk about the gambling and different things, the line, who to take, the Patriots. And there were all these numbers about, you know, teams on the road two weeks in a row for this, trips. Mm-hmm. And I said, you can't use those numbers because this is a, a one-off. Tom Brady, Gillette Stadium, Bill Belichick. And I think it was the same thing for Tom Brady. Yeah, he's been in Gillette before. He knows how Bill prepares for games. He knows what he says. Oh, it's Sunday night of 820. If you like football, there's no other place to be. Like, yeah, he knows all of that in his head. But he had never walked out that tunnel 
a visitor. He had never, as you noted, had to run the opposite direction of the field and do the fist pump at the lighthouse end instead of his end. Like he, he couldn't possibly know because everything he's always told us, remember a few years ago, he's like, I know it down to the degree, what gloves to wear, what shirt to wear, what like, yeah, based on what experience. Mm -hmm. You had never experienced this. No. You could not prepare for this. Even you've if never been, you've never been cheered as a visitor at Gillette Stadium. Right. And even though you've been in huge games and Super Bowls and this and that, you'd never experienced this. And I do think he realized that. And it probably started um, when Robert Kraft met him in the tunnel. There was probably like a it started uh, Saturday night, the hotel getting cheered at the Providence Hotel. Yep. yep. Yep, you're right. So all along the way, there were new experiences, new feelings, new, you know, what do they, what do the kids say? The feels, they got the feels like he felt things that he's never felt before. And I do think <clears throat> it softened or it, um, cause I think all along you and I talked about this last night for Bill, like everything else, it, it is what it is. Like, it's not emotional. It's not it's, it's think, business. I'm the, it's, I'm the football coach. I'm the GM. It's business. This is right. Business. And I use the example with you. There was that report, I think about a month before Brady announced he was leaving, of a phone call between the two that was reported by different outlets very differently. You know, that Brady thought it was typical and didn't go well and blah, blah. And then Bill, no, Bill said it was business as usual, like so many calls we've had before. I'm paraphrasing. but No, I, I do remember this. You're right. And they bring just such different views to the same information. And so Bill this week goes over the top positive, has nothing but praise. And I, I genuinely, I don't think it was an act. No, it wasn't. You know, it probably killed him to have to do it because he kind of realizes he might've made the wrong choice, but yeah, he did I it with, with grace and was respectful and honest and answered everything the right way. Like even, what do they call it? Guffawed when people are like, you know, could, you know, was Tom Brady partially responsible for your success or could you have been as good with that? No, like, obviously right. not. What are you idiots? Right. Like, so I think Bill was even keeled this week. And I think Tom had more of a, as you said, a certain tone coming in, even the tone that started a week earlier with his dad and Alex Guerrero and sort of the negativity and the mudslinging. Although that's where Brady's a fraud. Cause last night he said, what did he say? Nothing. All that's out there. No one knows. And nothing's really accurate or something like, yeah, coming from your people. If it's not accurate, tell them to shut the up and don't say things. No, like it's that. true. It's true. Like he, like you're, you're right. Your, your own father is one that's sort of pushing that storyline for, for this week, at least like that was, that was no, there was no Jeff Darlington reports on that. That was your own father talking. Right. So you have no one to blame, but your own camp. Right. And I know that the Wick, the Wickersham book might be separate. That's coming out. That may be a different, but yeah, your trainer and your father, two of the closest people to you were part of the stuff. That's really not accurate that you're reading out there. Well, that's coming from your guys. Um, so yeah, I, I think Brady did go through an emotional sort of roller coaster this week and, and even Sunday night at Gillette. What did you think of the, um, post-game meeting in the locker room like did you like surprise you at all or like anticipate it um I did not anticipate it I didn't anticipate any of the way Bill handled it this week I, I I was dead wrong on that I think we talked about it I said maybe you'll get glowing on Greg Hill's show last week on Monday and then Bill would move on 
He never moved on. Wednesday, Friday, he acknowledged Brady's greatness all week. Because I think he, he knew the attention on the game, and if he didn't acknowledge Brady every single time, it, that would become a story. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, that's where I do think maybe there was some tactical nature to the way he handled it. Not only that if he's, if he's not positive, it'll become a distraction, more of a story. Yes. But also, I did wonder, was there – Oh, Brady's camp came out early and, and with a negative sort of attacking tone. I'll kill him with kindness. I'll go the other oh, way. I totally agree. And he, and, and he had that little thing with the, he started, he repeated himself again on Friday with the Greg Hill show last Monday when he was saying basically like, I wanted Tom to stay. Right. Which I thought was a direct response to the, the Brady senior comments that Belichick wanted him gone. So you're right. right. He, he took the other side. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I have the last word. I'm going to pin on this all on Brady's side. He, he's one that left. But I do think just the – and I wasn't there to watch him march into the, the visitor's locker room, Tampa Bay. Um, it's strange. Like, you just think about it. If you're a Tampa Bay player, um, Kyle Trask and whoever – like, you're dressing next to Tom Brady and, like, Belichick and Brady are having a 20-minute conversation, like, a few feet away as you waddle by with your towel wrapped around you for the shower. And, like, Bruce Arians – his post-game comments, he seemed like there was mild annoyance at Brady oh, yeah. Belichick, right? Like Totally. So what if he comes out and goes, the, the, is that guy doing in my locker room? Like, we have these stories where, you know, Rex Ryan's of the world, oh, we can't talk in the, the Patriots locker room because we, it's bugged or yeah. we bring our trash with us. And, well, you walk out and literally Bill Belichick is in your locker room. <laughs> like, right. So it's a little bit funny, but from from what we talked about earlier with Bill, that part doesn't surprise me because he's like, oh, no, Tom and I, Tom and I have always had a good relationship. It's a quarterback I was with for twenty years. Why wouldn't I go down and say hello to him? Right. Um, much the way, I don't know. I remember being in Denver when Josh was the head coach of the Broncos, and there was like a big post game gathering with Josh. Like we sometimes forget because Bill makes us forget. And some they are people. They have relationships. They are. Just like, you know, you and I, or like Paul and I, Paul Perillo and I, like, right. We work together for 20 years. We don't work together anymore, but I still chat with him and seek him out after a press conference to say hello or after. Right. So there is some humanity there, even if people don't want to believe it. What did you make of the, uh, I forgot, I'm paraphrasing, like when he was asked, could this potentially be his last game at Gillette? And he said, obviously there's a, or like I could, there's a chance for me to return. Yeah. I, you probably don't know this, but t I used to love Tim Allen on a show called home improvement. And when he didn't understand, Oh, well, when he didn't understand it, remember he used to go, <laughs> I felt like everybody in that press conference simultaneously thought to themselves, like, what did he just say? And you're right. It could be a, it, it could be as simple as um, guys. I don't know if you know, but, I'm planning on playing for a long time. There's a chance I come back here. And I don't even know how the schedules work. There but. is, I think if they finish in the same, uh, if they're, if they finish in the same like second place in their divisions, I think there's a chance they play in 2023. Because of the, the new 17 game schedule. Yeah. But guess what? Who knows when there's an 18 game schedule and that changes again. Like, I think part of him was saying that, but there was also the one day contract coming off Roberts, you know, he's going to retire a Patriot and all that. But then it, there's that little piece he is like, 
would he come back? Because it wasn't just about football either. No, After, it was family stuff and like uh, I gonna like uh, friends. Like he yeah. it was gonna be like it could just be coming back to get in the Patriots Hall of Fame or you know be honored at halftime or whatever. I believe he said I'm part of this community and yes, always will be or something. Yeah, he said his kids born on Beacon Street. Like yeah, I'll always be part of this community. Where's the guy who said I hate the Northeast? It's cold. I'm never going there again. Like this is where people get on me for being a Brady hater. But the guy's a fraud and says a lot of things out of both sides of his mouth. I do think he's like a perpetual pleaser. Maybe he tries mm-hmm. to make everybody happy. Or like, if I'm talking to Howard Stern in Tampa, I got to, you know, say one thing. But that oh, now I'm back in New England. You I said it last night. He's like the the girl that flirts with everyone that just wants to sort of like right. play both attention. sides, have everyone like you and, and kind of enjoys that in a way. Right. Likes the attention. You're right. Yeah. It is, it is a little weird, but. The way the way he said that and the way people because then he was asked specifically later about the one day contracts. And and he's like, are you offering me a one day contract? He didn't offer me a one day. And I was like, well, he can't right now because you're under contract with the Bucks. And that would be like just made a comment about coming back to New England. Like, yeah, he he was a little bit all over the place. And that's where I think he was emotionally. Yes. Didn't really know what to say because he doesn't really know what he's feeling inside. Well, I even thought like the tone of his voice wasn't the usual Tom, especially after a game like that. Like if that was with the Patriots, he'd be kind of mopey Tom, like only give four minutes, three minutes at the at the podium. And he was up there for probably 10. Right. If we're going to continue the analogies and we know this has been beaten to death, but like the divorce analogies, this is like the divorced couple that had to go to a party together a couple of years after the divorce had a couple beers and woke up the next morning in the same bed. And you're like, Oh, what happened there? I thought I hated that person. How did we end up in bed together again? I, I will say, um, I said to you before the game that there was no chance he'd come back and retire a Patriot for like the one day thing. So now I, there is that changed my mind. Yeah. Like I, I think, I don't, but you said I, it to I me, the time, like time, time changes everything. I think time changed things faster than I maybe anticipated. I agree because the one the, the comp there I've always used is the old Belichick and Parcells. It took much longer for their relationship to thaw. And when they were still going head, like there was no thawing while they were still coaching against mm-hmm. each other, anything like that. Um, this seems like it thawed pretty quickly. And, and maybe, maybe all it took was Bill saying like, wow, I never really thought you could do this. I'll be honest. I really, I didn't think you could do it, but, you, you beat us tonight. You won last year. Like, I'm, I can't believe this. I'm impressed or whatever. Right. Just a simple acknowledgement of some sort that, because we know Bill can be, um, as much as we mock him, and, and we do, I think fans for being a robot or, you know, personal skills, he can be engaging if he wants to be. He can make you feel like, I've heard people talk about this. Like, I think Andre Tippett, I've had conversations with this, like, Bill can make you feel like you're useless to him and walk right by you. And you're like, what an a-hole. But then when he engages you, you're like, wow, like you suddenly feel important or you feel whatever. I think he can, he has that ability and maybe he utilized a little bit of that ability with Brady last night. All right, we haven't discussed it. I know we, we need to get to it. The, the decision to kick the field goal at the end, fourth and three. And then they, instead of going for it, they opted to kick the 56 yard field goal. Obviously, Nick Folk missed it, barely missed it. Um, but then also, the kick was with 
just over a minute left, I want to say. So even if the kick was good, Brady still would have had a minute left to go down the field and potentially win the game again. So what? Um, now that it's whatever, 12 hours, less than that, after the fact, has your opinion changed on the decision? Well, first of all, you were kind of critical of it in, in yes. the time. Like you yes. and you were the one that asked Bill about it um, when he said, not really, was there a I got, I got a very, very long explanation. <laughs> well, I, but I thought it was like good. Like it was a good non-quote quote or whatever you want to call it. Not really. Oh, okay. You didn't like, it was like a short, a 56 yard field goal in the rain, like <laughs> instead of a three yard, like, but then, cause I wasn't overly critical. Like in my mind, I wasn't like, what the hell is he doing? Like, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then today he had his zoom and he, when he at, was asked about it again, he added, I mean, we'd only converted two third downs the whole game. They were two of nine and he's right. Like, did you feel great about them converting that there? Um, it's sort of the opposite or the old fourth and two days. Like Tom Brady has the ball. If we punt it to Peyton Manning, he's going to score our best chances to get this. And you analyze. And I know Mike Reese had the numbers that the win percentage was the ESPN, whatever analytics, 40 something percent. If you kick it, win percentage, 30 something percent. If you go for it. Um, so, and Nick Folk has been awesome. Now, this is 56 yards. Would have tied his career long, which is like 10 years old from like a decade ago. But this is Nick Folk, who had two 50-yard um, game winners a year ago, who had 36 straight makes, who apparently had hit from 58 in that direction in the rain in warm-ups. And if we're being honest, he's, what, two and a half, three inches? If it hits the other side of the upright, it might deflect through. Right. And, and he, he thought it was he thought it was good. I right. watching live, I looked right down at him and he fist pumped when the ball was halfway in the air. And then it was shocked that it hit the hit the goalpost. Right. So I guess this is one of those where it's the right decision. It just didn't work out. Like if you look at it, there's a lot of reasons to believe it was the right decision. It just didn't end up being the right decision. I just thought, like, especially too, with how beat up the Bucks were at cornerback and in the secondary, like I I think you could have picked up three yards. Yeah, but how are you getting those three yards? I mean, I guess Jacoby Myers is your Jacoby Myers or scheme something up for Hunter Henry or John Smith. You feel good about that? If you scheme it up, yes. Not them going out making a play. Like Josh, Josh would have to get him open. Like I thought that the touchdown um call to Hunter Henry was very well designed. Yes. Um, I, I think my point though was like again, the fourth and two comparison. You got Kevin Falk and you say, damn it, I need two yards for a decade, Kevin Falk has gotten us the two yards when we need the two yards or Troy Brown or Julian Edelman, like those types of people. I'm not sure you have anybody right now that you say, that's the guy I want to go to. Gotta have- but also on the third down thing, like I, we can do this out as the day goes on, but like how many of those misconversions were third and short or, or, or were a lot of them third and long. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, I haven't looked at those numbers. And then the other questionable decision that I, blogged about was the end of the half when they kind of did the they did the trick play to go from third and 17 to fourth and two in Tampa Bay territory I think they lined up and then it was two minute warning yep and then coming out of the two minute warning they ran the punt unit on then took a delay game and then punted where you gave Brady the ball back and they got a field goal out of it but I, I just thought you know Bill's seen over the years you have to be aggressive to beat Brady and his teams I didn't think he was that aggressive last night. 
Yeah, I didn't care for that. I didn't care so that, for that. That one you would have gone for? Yes. And I I think you might have said it at the time because they got to the fourth and two or whatever it was. With a trick play, like you're already being aggressive. Play. So then what was the point? Right. And, you know, we know how much Bill believes in or hates, depending on which side of it, the double score. Mm-hmm. And they were getting the ball coming out of halftime, Brady and company. So you're giving them a chance to score and then score again. Um, and the the one thing I would say in both of these instances, like the field goal at the end of the game, because people have also brought up, Mike Reese brought up whether there's a consideration for giving Tom the, even if you make the kick, right. you're giving Tom the ball back with too much time. I didn't think they moved the ball effortlessly. I would say the Bucks, the night. Patriots, the the Bucks. Oh no, like, yeah, it was not. This wasn't a track meet. Nope. Um, so I that fear didn't really play into it for me. And I would say the same thing. If I give them the ball near midfield, wherever it was in, at the end of the second quarter, yeah, could they score? But if I'm aggressive and I like Mac Jones and I've like I could score, and this could be big. And in the end, that field goal is the difference in the game. Yeah, right? to that point, you only allowed three points in the first half to yeah. the, even the Bucks. Like I, I just so, thought that I thought he'd be more aggressive. And I said to you, like he had a great game plan going into the game. I just thought during the game, it wasn't as good. And along those lines, in-game coaching, we got to talk about this issue with freaking eleven guys on the field. Who, who's who's to blame for this? I, I don't have that answer. It, it goes back to last year. No question it does. Now, I will say, watching practices in some games, Gerard Mayo is very involved with the personnel groupings, getting mm-hmm. them on and off the field. Steve Belichick is clearly the highest-ranking defensive coach. Yeah. But there's also somebody in the booth that's playing a role in this, too, and I don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I just – I don't understand – I, I joked about it with a friend. I went to a Pop Warner game this weekend and I watched, they call out colors, you know, green defense and the kids that are on green defense run on the field and the kids that aren't run off the, like, how could the Bill Belichick coached Patriots so consistently over an extended period now have issues with what is the most basic part of defense, like getting 11 guys on the field and lined up. And I said this to you, so they, they had the uh, timeout they had. Well, they had a 12-minute, 12 12-men-on-the-field 12 penalty early in the game, in the first quarter. Late in the game, they had to call a timeout because Chase Winovich, on, off, on, off, didn't know. Didn't end up really costing them, but certainly could in a different situation. They had the exact same thing with Chase Winovich in the first quarter where he ran off the field in a substitution. The coaches were gesturing for him to get back out there, and he's pointing, and he didn't go back out he would have been the 12th man. The coaches were telling the 12th man to go back on the field. And so there's also the possibility that somebody else was on the field that shouldn't have been like, they may have been right that Winovich was supposed to be out, but I don't understand how this can be a recurring issue going back to last season. And you gave up a touchdown with only 10 guys on the field against the saints. I, I, I don't I, I I don't really have I don't want to throw this guy under the bus, but it just seems like it always involves Chase Winovich. And I know his role kind of suits the coming on and off the field. So he's naturally going to be involved in a situation like that. But it always seems like he's the either the 10th, 11th or 12th guy, like not knowing what to do, which makes me wonder if it's like uh, um, 
a certain package where there's 10 guys. And then if it's third and five or less, it's Godchild or somebody. If it's third and six or more, it's Winovich. And maybe that's the confusion. Like there's always the same 10 guys. And then there's two guys that are the last person. I'm just totally. I think it is something along those lines. And then I also want to say like, because like you said, Mayo's involved in the substitutions. So is Demarcus Covington, and maybe there's a there's a disconnect sometimes there um, with the coaching staff more so on the players. Yeah, and it's because otherwise I thought they did a good job substituting. They you like even though we we look at it and maybe question it, they played really well defensively. And in key spots, Judon comes off, Hightower comes off. Although yeah, Hightower they they, clearly, they play a ton of guys, right? Yeah. And clearly both Judon and Hightower are, are dealing with some knee problem and kind of. Yeah, I tell her I'd go behind the bench at one point, missed a couple series. Right. I think but, he might have a knee brace. But for the most part, I think the defensive game plan was good the way they threw a lot. Because it. it's right. hard. Like, they matched up in the secondary with the corners on the, the Bucks receivers, and I thought they were competitive. Now, you said I thought Brady missed a couple throws – early that really could have changed the complexion of the game um or even the throw that judon got the hands to the face if that i mean those two things aren't really directly related like you gave up the big pass play Mm -hmm. but it comes back and it doesn't end up hurting you um so it's weird like they couldn't get the most basic part of defense down yet i think they had a good defensive game plan they subbed threw a lot at brady in the offense moved things around changed things up with their blitzes and their fronts and everything they did and in the end, we're just not quite good enough. What do they do up front with their offensive line? Because it's more than just Trent Brown. Uh, uh, get better, as as Mac Jones would say. Like, I don't know. Like, there's well, no like, answer. Did, are you at a point where you move on Wenu outside and like, you know what I mean? Well, Trent. First of you know, I you and I both said we were surprised when the inactives came out, and Trenton Brown was on the inactive list for the third straight game. And not just because they call him Trenton there, but nowhere else. But also, like, I thought this was the game he'd return. He was on the sideline. Very, very active. And so I don't even know why he's not back out there, like what the slow play here is. Um, but no, I, I, you want your old, you're starting O-line back with Trent Brown at right tackle. You should get it back. I can't imagine. Because at this point, he should have gone on IR, right? Uh Yes. Because you would have gained yeah, a roster spot. He's missed three games. Yeah, he, yeah, you're right. He would have been eligible to come back this week if he was placed in IR after he won. So in, they clearly expect him back, and that gets your – but does that make them better? Like, no. I know a lot of the, – the easy answer it, is, like – It helps. Scar back from Hawaii to, like, come in and consult and, and figure it out somehow. Well, I was thinking that, too, last night. Like, I'm, I'm not like I'm not saying Carmen Brasillo's job's on the line, but, like, this is not – good no but i will throw in and i am not a smart enough man to delve into this ask one of the all 22s or some other whisperer um is there any chance some of it is mac jones like maybe they're not yeah, always i think josh acknowledged that last one of the the calls in the last couple of weeks that the quarterback does play a play a factor in it yeah right so all of it no 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 didn't say all of it but maybe it's an incremental part of it so you get Trent Brown back, that that helps you. Because Justin Huron was terrible first. Well, that's another thing, too. 
how many experiences are you going to give the guy? Like, Dundee could just had a great end of training camp. And you guys haven't even seen a freaking snap. Yeah, I don't know why they don't have the – Just try. The, yeah, I don't know. The, is there any chance that he's like a left tackle? It's possible. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, he's a guy that he's not as good on the right as he is on the left, whatever. Well, then move um, win over. You know what I mean? Like, they haven't even changed some positions up. Well, that's where I wonder getting back to Brown and not going on IR. Like, have they been caught off guard or, like, they thought Brown was going to be back in a week and didn't want to change everything up, and then they thought he was going to be back in two weeks? And- I kind of think so because we talked about it at the time. If we th- if the Brown thing was a long-term thing, we thought they would have kicked on one who outside. Right. But if it was and a then, one or two week thing, they wouldn't. And now we're approaching that a long term thing. So why didn't they? And then we also have to um, talk about Onwenu went to the bench. Yep. Terrace came in. I don't know whether Onwenu was hurt or not. Well, that was, there was no injury update. And that's kind of one of those things. Like, I don't know. I don't think he was benched. I think he was hurt. But then immediately when they, they want, they announced Ted Karras as an extra, you know, eligible blocker. On when it was back on the field. So, like, how hurt is he? Like, he's hurt, but then right. they need him. So, I don't know. I guess the 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 short answer here, as Bill would say, is there's more questions than answers with the offensive line right now. The, the whole group. I don't know who's – I don't know how they get better, but they better fix it because, as I told you earlier, it, and Bill took a shot at them. Okay, Less. shot might be a little strong. But he, he uncharacteristically acknowledged the poor play after the game. Right. He said something to the effect, we've got some good running backs that unfortunately we just can't get going. Or He's saying that the line isn't blocking anybody. Well, I'll also say the running backs aren't blocking anybody either. Like their blitz pickups are bad. They're really missing James White there. Uh, they are. Although Brandon Bolden had a decent game. Now his blitz, he missed a, a blitz pickup. But well, and they don't trust J.J. Taylor. Four snaps. Well, this is good now, I guess, for Ramondre Stevenson, like, he can exit the doghouse and JJ Taylor can enter the doghouse after his fumble. I guess. I mean, I thought it was surprising Stevenson wasn't active. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it, the offensive line to me, you know, we talked about the comment like help Mac out, help him win. Yeah. The offensive line is up there among the biggest disappointments on the team. Because um, we said going into the year, that, that was like the strength of the offense. Right. That's the foundation you're supposed to build the running game, the passing game, protect Mac, give him extra time, not less. And he's been getting killed. You're not getting, giving him a running game, which make his his job even harder. Um, Damian Harris is taking some pretty vicious hits. He got dinged up where he kind of got upended. Although that was actually that was a dud. dud. Born, sure. yeah. But Born was the one who missed the block there. We can't put that on the um, offensive line. Uh, uh, random note, unless you have another thought on the offensive well, line. I just like. Even you said it, and one of the storylines that – so, John O. Smith and Hunter Henry had touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That's great because you didn't have touchdowns. You hadn't thrown to them in the red zone, blah, blah, blah. Yep. The, this, this idea that suddenly the, the tight ends are, like, big contributors or yeah, you're they, getting return they, 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 they contributed uh, 46 yards. 46 yards. And John O. Smith continues to not be the playmaker I thought Even he Even the long play that he had, I said, dude, he was like he almost fell. Yes. And Hunter Henry, it's like, yeah, he'll catch you four balls for 30 yards or whatever it is. Like, I just, yeah, they still have a ways to go. And you're now, you're almost a quarter of the way into the season. And it's like $25 million just doesn't go as far as he, you didn't want to pay Gronk over half his career. And 
you're willing to put $25 million into these guys and you ain't getting crap out of it. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, the random thing I was going to say is Miles Bryant was a, elevated from the practice squad, played a decent amount, and yep. Dewan Williams and Sean Wade were inactive, healthy inactives. So that, I guess, kind of shows where they are in terms of the coaching views. Yep. Yeah, I had those two guys on my uh, thumbs down list. Like, you, you need extra corners, in theory, against the Bucks with their The Jamal Williams thing, it's kind of surprising. Like, he, I feel like he could, he could have been useful in that game. Yeah, he's ridden a um, pretty interesting couple months where when Jalen Mills was struggling in camp, Joan Williams got more playing time, bumped up. It was like he was the number two corner opposite J.C. Jackson, and now you have a regression. He, oh, and by the way, J.C. Jackson was limited in practice on Friday with a knee injury, so not only are you limited personnel-wise, you, you're thinking, is there a chance J.C. can't go the whole game, whatever. Um, and then, yeah, to have Joe, I mean, I, I think Joan Williams' time in the Patriots is kind of petering out. Yeah, a little. I think it's, I think a game like this where, like, it's the the Bucks and Tom Brady's pass game and one of your cornerbacks is inactive or yeah. a practice squad elevation, it's not good. And, and now, I mean, Sean Wade, too, like. He's been here know, six weeks now. Yeah, you're getting to the point where you kind of, I know, I know that's not a lot, especially in season. There's only He's a, he's a rookie, but yeah. I don't know. I just feel like you gave up a decent, what was that, a fifth? Yeah, he should be an option to at least play. And not that I'm comparing the two, but, you know, Richard Sherman comes off the street and is in the game the whole time. I got to tell you, it, like it was pretty impressive. Huh? That was pretty impressive for him. I didn't think he played very well, but it was impressive to be on the field the entire time. I thought he was competitive. He got screwed on a, a PI the, call. The Harry one? I, I still don't understand why they called that. Um, that gets into your crappy officiating crew for both but, sides. I would say both sides walked away from that game saying the ref sucked. Uh, yeah, which I guess means they were at least balanced Fair. or whatever. If both ha- both sides are either happy or mad, at least you didn't fail. Well, it was like that driver at the end. I think it was the Bucks. It was like that they they called. Oh yeah, they called the pass interference on Van Noy, and then they called offensive pass interference on I think Evans, right, or illegal hands to face something. That was almost like a makeup call where yeah. I thought they both both calls sucked. Yeah, I didn't I didn't care for the crew. I didn't care for the crew. But I just thought, you know, Wednesday, Richard Sherman's like, it's foolish to think I'd play this week. And then he's out there like the whole game out of necessity. Well, I was just saying, to be fair, they lost their other cornerback in the game. And then I think they lost the safety. So they were definitely more banged up than they probably anticipated. But, yeah, you're right. Making comments saying it's foolish than playing 97% of the snaps. It's two two different things. And I guess from his purposes, like, if no offense, I mean, yeah, offense, offense to Nikhil Harry. If you're going to come off the street as a veteran corner, Nikhil Harry, a big, slower receiver, is probably the guy you want to knock the rust off against kind right. of thing. Uh, any initial thoughts going into this week? So uh, we had Marcus Brady Cannon week. week. Yeah. Uh, Burkhead Cannon. week. Nick Casario week. Big week. Big Patriots South. No, it's like you go from the most hyped regular season game to this game has no – other than you need to win it. You absolutely, right. you know, this is a must win. They're coming off of, what was it? 40 nothing loss? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got smoked by the Bills. Where is it? And it was 40 to nothing. 40 to nothing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They were uh, 18 and a half point underdogs and the spread. Not covered. Um, that's just a side note. All this talk that Vegas knew the Patriots were the bet and that everybody was on Vegas. Hold on. And and that yeah, and they wanted everybody to keep betting on the Bucks because they were just going to keep collecting money. Yep. 
Vegas nailed it. Vegas wins again. Vegas, oh, the bookies always win. Almost always, they they know what they're doing. Um, but yeah, this is a must-win game this week for Bill Belichick. You you, the season's over if you lose to the oh yeah the Texans. I mean, you've already dug a hole, but if somehow you get upset here, and I don't care who plays, if Brian Hoyer has to play quarterback, whatever, you mu- this is an absolute must-win, can't-fail game. All right, we'll be back with our regular uh, Thursday podcast previewing the must-win game. Uh, maybe there'll be some leftover Brady stuff. Who knows? That could be probably more exciting to talk about that than preview the Texans game, but we'll see. We'll find yeah. some stuff. Yeah, I'm not really excited about this week. The only thing I'm excited about is that it's a uh, – one o'clock road game. Yeah, one o'clock game because, whew, kicked my ass last night. But fortunately, there's that was the last uh, home game, like home unless one gets flexed. But the other two are the Thursday game in Atlanta and Monday night Buffalo. And if it gets flexed, it means they're having a very interesting season, and a lot yes. of things have gone right to get yes. to late in the year. And that is true. Too. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, I need to. I think you said yesterday was a triple coffee day for you. Yeah. I'm already on two, and I foresee three or four in the future at some point. All right. uh, Have a good week, everyone, and we'll talk uh, Thursday. Peace out.